You are listening to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund podcast. The CBLDF podcast is part of our ongoing education program. My name is Alex Cox, and I am the host and producer of this episode. Our guest this month is Jeffrey Brown, who is a cartoonist who came into prominence at the turn of the millennium with uh, autobiographical works like Clumsy and Unlikely, and in the uh, in the decade or so since has become one of the most popular and recognizable cartoonists working today uh, with books like Jedi Academy, Darth Vader and Son, and his latest series, Lucy and Andy Neanderthal, which was uh, featured as part of our free comic book day offering last year. It's a great series for kids, and it has all of the wit and charm and humor that his books have become known for. Jeffrey is a longtime supporter of the fund, and he's someone I always enjoy talking to. So this conversation was a uh, was a delight. I hope you enjoy it as well. So I am Jeffrey Brown. I am author of the Darth Vader and Son series, Jedi Academy series, and uh, most recently the Lucy Neander Lucy and Andy Neanderthal series. I like that you pronounced it Neanderthal, which I guess is the proper pronunciation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The first couple of books I remember reading from you were uh, striking in a good way because of the frankness with which they approached adult sexual yeah. relationships. Um, but, but you were relatively young at the time, right? Yeah, like a you know mid mid twenties. That seems young now. So, yeah, now it seems young. Back then, it it, it already felt old. It's a late, little bit of a late bloomer. In, in what way? Oh, just I mean, because I like I didn't have relationships in my teens, and um, so I was I was writing about it at a time when I was much closer to it, which I think was um, for for better or worse, you know. Um, I mean, I think the good thing about that is, is that it, I was so close to the, that kind of feeling of first love and early relationships that um, it's one of the reasons why I could be so frank and honest about it. Whereas, you know, now I have all kinds of years of perspective and living to cloud all that that kind of changes changes what what i if i were to write about it now right but you you say late bloomer you mean that's socially you were not a late bloomer artistically yeah. right you've been drawing forever um i mean yeah but i you know i think also in a, in a way well i mean you know i i think it's silly to think about um timing like that and i think you know i i teach at the school art institute now and it's it's funny because i'm constantly trying to um tell my students you know like stop comparing yourself like in terms of your career like to adrian tomine like you're like he is like the only guy who got the drawn a quarterly book deal when he was 18 like that's not normal (laughs) that's not and um and also you know like i look at at their comics work and it's way advanced compared to you know what i was doing when i was an undergrad so um i mean it's 
so I, it's hard to say. I mean, they also have, you know, it's an entirely different landscape for comics now with, in terms of the material they have to look at and the access to it and, um, and just the scholarship and awareness of, of different kinds of comics. So then, you know, when I was um, an undergrad or even, you know, when I was getting into graduate school and starting to draw comics again, like the, there was still, it was still relatively new and inter- the internet wasn't so ubiquitous a thing that, you know, you could just look things up so easily and find, you know, people's websites and online comics and things. So you were in the middle of some of your first kind of uh, adult sexual relationships, adult romantic relationships, and you're doing comics about them. What's what's the gap in time from, say, like, breakup to comic story? Well, I mean, I started writing Clumsy while I was still with the the girl in that story. Ooh, booey. And then, and then, so the breakup actually happened while I was writing it. Um, and then, you know, and then after that, it was, there was always, like, some time between. That's a tight turnaround. So yeah, it was. There's like basically like like no no gap. Right. It's like a negative gap there. Um. But you know, I I mean, I think like you know, again, like being so close to it is one of the reasons why like it's so raw and. Yeah, there's an immediacy think, there because that's bonkers. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think even the as as honest and you know open and everything i tried to be in the, the other books you know like i, I don't think you could ever I, I don't think i could ever do what i did in clumsy again i i think it was like the a one-time thing because also because it was my first you know extended comics work where you know i i'd intentionally set out to start from scratch in terms of of art style and kind of what I was doing formally. So, you know, it was kind of a blank slate where I wasn't concerned about audience or, you know, all these other things that kind of creep into your work, um, whether you want them to or not. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, like, like what I was able to do with clumsy, I don't think I could, do certainly I don't think I could do it now, but even even shortly after that I think I had a sense that like it was never going never going to have quite that same exact feeling. Do you I mean, is that something that you regret that you don't do anymore? Do you miss having that kind of immediacy or is this a conscious decision or was it a conscious decision to kind of give it some time? I mean partially conscious and partially um, I mean conscious in the sense that you know I, like I've never wanted to to stay in the same place for too long so if you look at my career you know I started out doing these books about girlfriends and then kind of tried to move away from that and then I was doing cats and you know then I was doing Star Wars and so, you know, I, I, 
you know, as much as it's all still very connected, it's all me, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to just kind of get stuck doing the same thing over and over again. So that, that is conscious, but then it's also, you know, it's also not very natural, I think in the way it's happened and, and that part of it was just, you know, I just didn't have anything else to say at the moment about relationships or, or that kind of romantic relationships or whatever it might be. So then both a conscious and an an unconscious thing. Right. It's well, it's interesting to me because I think about other, like not necessarily diary comics, but maybe journal comics that are being done like in the process. I wonder if like being in the throes of it maybe eliminates the like introspection of giving it a year or two where you can really like look back on it or if being in throes of it, keeps you in the mindset and keeps it raw. And I guess it's, I don't know. I mean, do you feel like you might've lost some of the, the rawness, but gained something and having like the time to reflect on it? Yeah. I, and I also think, you know, there's, there's also artistic concerns aside. There's the personal concerns where, I mean, when I was writing clumsy and going through that breakup and, you know, the, the girl asked me, you know, like, like, do you, do you have to keep writing this? Like, like maybe you should just, you know, take a break. And it's like, no, I, like, I need to, to write it now. Like, even though like, like there is a sense that it makes me sad to like kind of work through it. But at the same time, you know, there's, because it is like an artistic work, then there's this some some personal distance, but um, but it's hard to maintain that distance um, doing personal work. So um, there's a personal cost I think that comes with writing work like that, and um, so I think definitely that's part of it too. Where I've I try to be more conscious and careful about myself and and I guess probably others too um in terms of what I'm writing sure um what was I'm sure you've answered this a thousand times but what was the response from the the girlfriends that you were writing about um well the the girl in clumsy you know she was aware and um she appreciated it and uh it was great like she she got it and was able to i think enjoy it and see it for what it was um the girl un- unlikely eventually saw it and i mean I, I i guess there's a little bit of a follow-up of her reconnecting with her um but i think you know the same thing i i, I think um well, the in the in any any easy, easy intimacy, the third book, um, that girl, I don't I don't know what her response is actually, but I think overall, I think they all, at least two of the three, um, but uh, have the sense that you know it's not it's not really about me and them or them or even our relationship it's but it's just writing about 
relationships in general, but using our our those own personal specific experiences. So I, I guess there's I mean, I feel like if somebody wanted to say like, no, this is about us, they'd have a pretty good argument there too. It is... I, I guess then, you know, it comes down to to intent. So yeah. like like I I didn't write I didn't go and finish clumsy because I I wanted to um I wanted to, you know, win her back or something with like this declaration of love. I I wanted to show like <laughs> here is this here is this this time where we were in love and it didn't work out and it's all fine. With a, with with um you know, the book about losing my virginity wasn't it wasn't about like this girl who, you know, broke my heart and and that was horrible and she's a bad person. It was about like when you're young and you have these expectations built up and it doesn't work out and it's, you know, it, you go through this thing and it's like, and you look back at it and it's kind of ridiculous that you went through that. But at the same time, like when you're going through it, those, those feelings are real and genuine and overwhelming. It, right. But it wasn't, so that's what it was about. It wasn't about, you know, her specifically, but that's, that's what I used to, to, to get those ideas across. Sure. What was the response from like everybody else that knew you? Like, was there anyone who didn't necessarily get it or it was like, Oh gosh, Jeffrey, do you have to write about this in particular? I mean, my dad was one of the first people I, I showed it to and, and, um, when I, while I was working at it. So it wasn't, I mean, it was like the first, might've been like the first 20 pages or so. And, you know, he, and he sat there and patiently read it and had a very genuine response, like, you know, um, which I mean, is, is amazing. Like at the same time, it's like, I, you know, it's not like my parents talk to me about <laughs> certainly the autobiographical books, but, you know, um, so, uh, you know, I I did hear that my oldest brother was talking to my mom and like, is I don't know what book it was, maybe Incredible Change Pots or something. And my my brother saying something like, well, like, I like it better than the ones with all the sex. I, I mean, they, they had actually, I mean, they had seen the, the Xerox version of Clumsy. And when I went to self-publish, they, they helped pay for that first self-published print run. So, um, yeah, I mean... Like you, you can't get much cooler than that. I think. No, that's very cool. I mean, I guess I come from such a shame-based background, and um, yeah. I can't help but like when I read something like that, be like, my first thought almost is, what are the people that yeah. know him thinking when they read this? Were they? I mean, were your folks supportive like that from the get-go? Just like your entire career and interest in art? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there were times where they were like, you know encouraging me like well maybe you should take some classes to learn how to do like graphic design on the computer like that's a <laughs> that's a solid job but you know they were um but they were also always very supportive in terms of like me going to the school of the art institute and being an art major and just all of that so um yeah they've always been 
really, really supportive. That's awesome. And I would, I mean, this is my like regional biases coming out as I would assume there'd be like a lot more kind of like practical, like, you know, Midwestern, um, like kind of Lutheran, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know I how mean, to put it, but you know what I'm talking about because you're from there. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, I think, I think what it is is that, you know, I, I've always had a really strong work ethic and so I don't, you know, I don't think they worried about, um, you know, me in that sense, you know, I think, I think they always knew that even if, if I was making art and not making money off of the art, like that, I, I would still be able to support myself and I wasn't going to be like, you know, the, the starving slacker artist or something. Sure. Um, where, when you were starting, uh, clumsy, were there any artists or, or books in particular that you looked to or that inspired you in terms of like that kind of frank autobiographical, like raw work? Um, I mean, um, Julie Dusay was one, uh, Chester Brown, like, um, I never liked you specifically was probably the one that, um, was most influential. Uh, and then, you know, then there was also like, just in terms of non-comics artists, Charlotte Solomon's, uh, life or theater, uh, was a, was an influence. Um, and I guess, I mean, you could also look at like, like Sean Landers did a book called sick that was kind of like this, um, art project where he just, you know, wrote everything that was very forthright and unedited and unfiltered. Um, and I think the, the, you know, the, there's something in there and, and there's probably other examples that I'm not going to be able to pull. Have you revisited any of those works, you know, 15 years later? I mean, Charlotte Solomon's work, I look at regularly. Um, in fact, like, uh, there was a exhibit traveling exhibit of, some of the, the pieces that was um, at the Holocaust Museum here in Chicago maybe a couple years ago. So I actually like made sure to get out there to see, be able to see it in person, but I've got, you know, all the books and things. I look at those regularly. Julie Dusay's work, I look at regularly. I've actually have a, a page of hers hanging up in in my little office here, so. Oh, a comic page or some of her fine artwork. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a comic page from um, it's one of the stories when she first moved to New York. And so, I I asked because I revisited my New York diary recently, um, and when I when I was living in New York and kind of the age of her character in that book, and reading it now, you know as an adult that's moved away from New York, it was a, a very, very different uh-huh. experience. And I was just wondering if like looking back now that, you know, you've gone from being a, a kid 
living on your own for the first time to being an adult with kids yourself and relatively settled. I say relatively, but uh-huh. I'd say you're probably very settled. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and I was just wondering if like the, if, if it read differently, if, if things like that have a different impact on you now. I, you know, it's hard to say what, what my response is to those works now, because it's hard to like, in terms of, hmm, it's, I don't know that I ever fully get away from the feelings that I have about them from when I first read them. Right. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess I have a a different perspective of things and it doesn't have quite the same impact because it's not the, the first time I'm seeing it, but uh, you know, it also has a different kind of impact because now I, I can look at it with, you know, a different perspective and, and appreciate it in different ways that are deeper. And I guess another Um, question pursuant to that is, do you get, do you still get mail or do you still hear from readers that are reading your early work? And do you notice how it affects like maybe different generations differently? Yeah. I mean, I, I, not as much, I think mostly because I mean, most of the mail is, Star Wars or kids book related and um and so it's weird because like I will hear from people like they're writing about the Star Wars book but then they mention having read the autobiographical books back in the day. Right. Um and I think um yeah, overall the 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 feeling is I mean, like young young people too. I think like they they kind of get the same kind of stuff out of the like clumsy in those books that people were getting, you know, fifteen plus years ago when it first came out. But I I, I mean I guess my assumption would be that like even today because they're relatively timeless. You know what I mean? Like they could have been set from like nineteen eighty two to present. So I guess any kid right. reading them, like if a 19-year-old was to pick up Clumsy or Unlikely at this point, it would resonate pretty powerfully with what they're going through right, right. now. While yeah. if, you know, someone our age were to pick them up, it would be like maybe a big gut punch of nostalgia. Like, oh my God, I remember going through all this. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you were still getting those responses from that book or if things had like shifted generationally where suddenly... People don't, I don't know. No, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty consistent. Like the, um, the kinds of responses like that, it's like, yeah, like you say, like I hear from, from older readers that are both, you know, seeing it for the first time. And then it's kind of, it is kind of like the, like, oh yeah, I remember when I was young and stupid like that. And then, (laughs) and then also, um, you know, older readers who, who, you know, had read that stuff back then. And, you know, like, you know, I, like one of the great things is like hearing people say like, yeah, oh yeah, that kind of helped me, helped me through sometimes. And like, you know, I, I don't think like as an artist, like I think, you know, it's great if, if the books can entertain, um, it, it's 
great if they can, um, whether it's creating a dialogue or helping someone individually understand the world better, like that's great. Um, but then if it can also have like a, a practical kind of effect where, you know, they're, they actually get some kind of emotional help from those books. I mean, I think that's like kind of, um, just a big bonus. Do you ever think about returning to autobiographical material? I mean, I know you did the kids are weird book and and some other stuff along those lines, but I mean, closer to what those books were. Um, no, uh, I mean, I, I, the only book that's kind of sitting in my like to do list is a book, um, kind of just about art and process. And so there'd be stories about, you know, going to comic conventions and things that happen there and whatever. But um, in terms of, um, in terms of uh, like a, um, like a specific book, I mean, I, I feel like I've been filtering all of that stuff more and more. So the, the Jedi Academy series actually has like, if I was going to write a book about my middle school experiences, it would be hard because I, I kind of used a lot of that material in the Jedi Academy books. Um, and, you know, in terms of parenting, a, a lot of my parenting stuff, well, I guess some of it's in kids are weird, but you know, there's a lot in, the Darth Vader books like right. kind of that's where I put it. And so I just don't have the same, uh, impetus to draw, to draw autobiographical stuff. And so it's not, it's not like a, like I've decided, no, I'm, that's not what I'm going to do anymore. But you know, I'm, I'm also not going to do it just for the sake of doing it. I like, if I have something that, that, um, feels like something that I need to get out, then that's what I'll do. Um, and I just, I just don't have that story right now. So the first book that wasn't autobiographical would have been one of the cat books or was it a change bots? Uh, probably, I guess it would have been big head. See, the problem with having a lot of books is when people like me talk to you about it. Um, I think that I know everything that you've got. And then you remind me about books that I read 10 years ago and now I feel oh. like a schmuck. Well, uh, well, I mean, don't feel, don't feel bad. I mean, there's like the thing for me is, is that people will reference things that like in the autobiographical books and I'll be like confused because it's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, I said, I forget that that happened. I forgot that I wrote about that in a book. Right. Um, so big head change bots was pretty shortly thereafter. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Brickhead might have been two thousand three, two thousand four, and then the first Change Bots was two thousand five or two thousand six. Did you get any blowback yeah. from your from your fan base that you had moved away from the uh, more emotional stuff? No, I mean, I think if if anything, there was like some like reverse blowback from 
people who were like, oh, thank goodness he's not writing another <laughs> book about getting dumped. Um, I, I just uh, I approach all the work kind of from the same place, even as vastly different as the project projects can be. And yeah, I mean, no, yeah, no, no blowback. I think, I think people that, that like the autobiographical stuff are kind of primed to like the other stuff in a way, because it's, it's still me doing it. Your sense of humor comes through in all of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think that like in terms of tone and humor and like, you know, all there's a, there's a continuity across all the books. Um, I mean, I think there's definitely like, you know, some, some people like the change bots books and not the autobiographical stuff. And some people like the cat books and, you know, so, you know, I, I'm not going to hold it against anyone if they don't care for the Star Wars books, but, or, you know, if they don't, if they like be a man and not clumsy, like, I think that's, I think, I think that's fine. I, I think it would be weirder to, you know, or harder for me as an artist to like have it where I, you know, had to worry about, you know, are they going to like this or that? I mean, I think if anything, I, I kind of went into things worrying more that like I would, I would only be known for that one thing and uh, doing something different. People would just be thinking that it wasn't sincere or something like, like, right. Oh, like, I, I guess like, you know, it's like when, uh, or I guess like the, the example that's going to spring to mind right now is in, in the, in the TV show extras, Ricky Gervais is, you know, he's, he's in the sitcom and then he, he goes to do like this serious dramatic play. And it's just kind of like, he's, he's doing it just, just so that he can show that he doesn't just do this other thing. So I guess like, you know, it's like that kind of worry, like, Oh, people are just going to think that I'm doing it just because I try and be different. Right. But you know, really, it's like like I I grew up with the Transformers, and I like Transformers, and I wanted to draw some funny Transformers comics. So, like, I mean, that's sincere. <laughs> hey, now that your publisher also publishes Transformers, has there been any discussion of you doing actual Transformers, or do you have no interest? In that? Uh, I mean, no, no serious discussions. I <laughs> I don't know that I would be like I don't know that I'd be up for 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 doing much more than like a cover or something anyway. But right. I, I, you know, for, for, cha- for me, like I still have one more change bots book that, that I wanted to do that has just been, I've had the idea for basically since I finished the second change bots book. So if I do anything, I like, I'd, I'd like to work on that, but um, you know, I, I have it plotted and planned, but I don't know when I'll ever get around to actually, drawing it so let me ask a a couple of uh questions that might be upsetting but i don't mean them to be (laughs) uh okay so the first one is you can try um i know you're pretty unflappable i i i hesitate to ask this because it sounds like i'm like i'm saying something bad about your early work which i'm not but the drawing was cruder 
than your current work. Yeah. Um, it, it worked. It worked at the time. I thought it was great, and it worked for those stories. But you definitely are now a more polished cartoonist. Um, and I wonder if at some point you looked at your comics and you said, "Oh, holy cow! I can." I can really draw now, which isn't to say you couldn't draw before, but I mean, now you're like a world-class illustrator. Um, yeah, I mean, does that make sense without me sounding like I'm insulting your early work? Oh, I mean, like, honestly, when, when clumsy came out, I, I heard it all. And, and then some, so. <laughs> like, but I hope you understand what I'm, what I, I'm saying. I think, like, yeah, go ahead, go, go ahead and try. Let's, let's see what, what you can bring. Oh, that, um, no, I, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's also, you know, those books came, like, there's like this whole conceptual side and like, so part of clumsy was a part of the reason, like it's drawn like that and it's like sloppy and there's things crossed out and it's unedited is because like, you know, I was in art school and my idea was that conceptually this, piece like the the form is mirroring mirroring the content and so the content is about when you're in a relationship you're clumsy you 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 make all these mistakes there's nothing you can do about it like it's done and you just kind of try to fumble your way through things and so i wanted that to to be present in the art um and i mean i think that's something I was able to do at the time because I had like, I hadn't really been drawing comics at that point. And, you know, so it was kind of just, uh, mentally I could, I could do that. I could kind of forget all the, all the instincts and what I knew about drawing or whatever you want, you want to say. Um, and I don't like, the the more I did the like the harder it became to to do that like I I don't think I could I I couldn't draw like I drew in clumsy now if I wanted to um so but and yeah and I mean definitely like there's a, a big part of drawing is practice and um I you know I there's definitely things that I can ways I can draw now that I couldn't draw then. I mean, even I'm using the same pens to color now as I did when I started doing change bots. And if you look at the first change bots and how that's colored and then how the Darth Vader books are colored or even Darth Vader and some, the first of those books compared to Darth Vader and friends, you know, it's like, um, yeah, it, it, it changes i think i i get better over time so um but is is it something that you like yeah. objectively looked at and you said like there's the book where i where i flipped a switch into really being a cartoonist that where it's not even something i think about um no i mean i don't, I don't think that's like i guess for for me like i like i still think like 
It's a dumb question. I'm just curious um, because I, no, it, there, there's been not, some like not, drastic leaps in your style over the years. So, yeah, I it's well, I mean, for me, um, so like uh, going back to teaching at the Art Institute. So, I <laughs> one of the things we have to do is there's you have a faculty critique and where you're you're like on a panel of of five or six faculty members and you go and look at graduate students work and talk to them and then kind of um you kind of do this critique and there's this this girl and she had these pieces and it, like we were all kind of like all right you're she's missing something like they're like they're, these are just kind of phoned in like she she doesn't like and you can get away with phoning things in sometimes but you've then you've got to be able to back it up with some kind of explanation of you know what you're trying to do and she didn't really have that she and and one of the other faculty members asked you know, like, are you, are you satisfied with these pieces? And she's like, yeah, like I'm totally satisfied. And afterwards, you know, like we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, are you, are you ever satisfied with anything you do? (laughs) And like, you know, it's like maybe for like 10 minutes right after I finish it. And then it's like, you know, I, I, I want to do better. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, no, I, I don't think I've ever had had a point yet where I like looked at something and was like, there, I like you know, like I I am completely satisfied with that. I mean, I I am like I'm like clumsy can be any better than it is. Like it 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 would become something different, and so like I'm satisfied in that sense. Like, but um, in terms of I don't know. Like, yeah, I just always, I always want to like do better. And I, you know, I just look at things and see lots of things that are wrong. I mean, I guess clumsy is the one book where I, I can look at it and say like, you know, there's nothing I would change, but that's only because that's, that's the nature of the book. Like it's, that's what it's about is, you know, being stuck with your mistakes and so it's kind of a cheat maybe but (laughs) when you started you were doing autobiographical work that you self-published and it was very raw and it was very much about yourself and it was very personal work you were almost the platonic ideal of a of a independent comics creator in the early 2000s right um and now you're doing a licensed or you were doing a licensed comic about Star Wars that has sold I mean I, I, this is where it gets uncomfortable because I don't want to be crass you've been very successful um your stu- your your work is in like airports and gift shops and yeah. everywhere you go it's become almost the second look of Star Wars for a lot of people um it's a huge deal and if there's one yeah. thing that comics people hate, it's when other people get successful. <laughs> so I wonder, 
has there been have people been gracious about your success have you seen any like jealousy what what's the community response been i mean i i haven't seen any jealousy but um i mean maybe that's just because it's it's all like (laughs) (laughs) i mean like i can't i i can't i can't claim complete innocence like early in my career like you know like seeing like feeling like you know someone's getting attention for a book that I'm like really that book and you know <laughs> which which you know and I think that's also it's also partly about being young like that I think that's kind of a, a aspect of of just not having as many years of experience and perspective and like, especially, I mean, once you have kids and I feel like, Oh, everything, virtually everything else in the world seems stupid to worry about. No. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. And I think like, yeah, I think overall, like people have been incredibly gracious and supportive, like, like, to to almost to agree degree where I feel like <laughs> guilty or something like like I feel like I don't actually deserve them to be that happy for me. Well, there's um, that midwestern thing coming back that I was talking about yeah. earlier. Um, but I I mean also you know I think I don't know I mean I, maybe it's just the maybe so maybe part of it too is I like that that sense of jealousy too is like a is overblown because you you it's so easy to to see it and um focus on it so it's almost like you know like it's confirmation bias like you think it's a thing and then so you look for it and then you see it everywhere when when really um i mean like when i think about my experiences in comics like and with people in comics like uh, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Like I don't like I, I would have a hard time thinking about people I've had truly negative experiences in the comics world with. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and I think, you know, um, yeah, but I mean, maybe it, maybe I, I just have a rose-colored vision of it because the comics journal message boards aren't around anymore. Right. Yeah, I didn't know if anybody a, a approached you and been like, "Come on, man, what are you doing? Putting your kids to college with this Star Wars stuff? Why can't you get back to the real?" No, I mean, no, I mean, I like I, I think the thing is, is like, you know, it's so many of us were were Star Wars fans. I mean, and. Also, I think if you, again, if you look at my my Star Wars books, it's like that they're still very personal in in many ways. It's not just a, like a work for hire thing. Sure. Um, at least for me. Um, well, no, I mean I see that know. too. I'm just wondering the so, people that don't see that so, they just see yeah. the Lucasfilm logo. I've also, as I've gotten older, learned to, you know, like I try to avoid reading anything like it's it's hard because like sometimes like publishers or friends will like send me stuff like oh hey did you see this and like it's like 
Nope. Didn't, didn't see it. Not really looking like whether it's good or bad. It's just like, I just don't want to, I, I just don't want to know. Right. Um, which is hard because I feel like there, there are some, some benefits to criticism and, and, you know, hearing what, how people are responding and, and it can help you learn about your work and what, what you're doing that you're getting right. And, um, but at the same time, yeah, like the, the, those kind of negative voices that aren't productive or, um, helpful, like just, you know, that's, uh, that's just something I like, I'm just try to stay away from as much as possible. I'm sure there's, there's, there must be someone out there that's, that's annoyed right. <laughs> at me, <laughs> but I just like, I, I, um, I just, I'm, we're not just traveling in the same circles, I guess. Like when Clumsy came out, like there, there was like this intense backlash and like there were things that people said that at the time, like really hurt my feelings. Like people saying kind of hurtful things about me as a person based on what they read in Clumsy and, um, and be a man was kind of a response to that in terms of me saying like, wait a minute, like, like what exactly is this criticism that they're giving? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like it does. Um, and so I think, you know, having gone through that, that was like so intense. And, and also, you know, like when clumsy came out, that was a time when there was definitely, I think a lot of, like, I felt there was a lot of maybe jealousy. Like here's this guy who like just did this book out of nowhere. And now, um, you know, now he's friends with Chris Ware and, and he's getting all this attention. And, um, and so, you know, kind of going through those things early on in my career, maybe kind of toughened my skin a bit. Sure. I can't spend my like time worrying about that. Like life's too short. Yeah. Is there anything, anything you're reading right now that you uh, are really excited about or that you're, super interested in um i mean the most exciting thing that i've read recently was the um, my favorite thing is monsters that's the um, uh emil, emil ferris right yeah emil ferris um which i just like thought was so great because it was like there's several different levels of visual things happening several different levels of story, several different levels of meaning. And so it was just a very like satisfying, complicated book that also had like some really nice, personal, very like funny things in it also. Yeah. I don't know what, what I'd have to like look at my bookshelf probably. (laughs) remember what else I've been and just real quick the uh um Lucy and Andy can you talk about that project just briefly because it's really interesting that the genesis of it yeah I mean um so so Lucy and Andy actually started as a, a cartoon pitch 
um, for Nickelodeon years ago. And um, before I even started doing the Star Wars stuff, I think, or maybe I just started working on the Star Wars stuff. Uh, and so it was kind of very undeveloped, but the, the, the basic idea of, you know, a, a Neanderthal family and then uh, something for kids, but more grounded in the science. And so Nickelodeon was like, yeah, this isn't really like, there's not really anything there for us to <laughs> develop, but it was, you know, um, it was this idea that kind of went back on the shelf. And so when I was figuring out what to do after Jedi Academy, I realized like I could take that idea and it would actually probably work better as a book in terms of mixing that science with, with the, the fictional story. And so kind of developed it from there. Um, and so it's been very challenging in terms of, because I did set up this kind of set of rules for myself of, you know, how, how the, how much it's based on science and um, how that information is spread throughout the book. Um, but it's been, it's been fun. I mean, it like feels like a very different thing from, from anything else I've done, which I think, any kind of new project I want. I, I like having that feeling like that it is something new, just not like a, just a, a different version of something I did before. And the response to that has been great. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's I, like, I answered uh, that question much, in the, in the asking because yeah. all the kids that I know that have read it have loved it. So I'm assuming that it's, yeah. I mean, like popular. the re response has been great. It's like, it's, you know, but it's also like after com coming off of like five years of of Star Wars level like <laughs> response, it's you know it's like like I have to remind myself like oh wait you know like it's it's not Star Wars so it's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna be at that level right um and and like ultimately like the the important thing is like like I'm happy with it. Like I'm really happy with how it's turned out. And I think there is a sense that it's like, there's a slow build of, of people, you know, and maybe part of it is just like, you know, as kids finish reading the Jedi Academy books, then, then they're finding their way to it, hopefully. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's been, I, I think a, a very challenging project, but um it's been very fun to do, to work on. Yeah. I mean, I is, is, am I wrong in assuming that when you're doing something that is targeted for kids, that y your standards for yourself are going to be a little bit like, it's not just something that you can do to satisfy yourself. You want it to have like a certain readability in a certain, um, you know, well, I mean, the way I approach everything though is, is still kind of, I don't write it that much differently. I mean, there's a little bit of the language and then maybe there's some concepts that I, I avoid, but overall I, I like rely on the editors to, to kind of pull me back when it's something that's maybe too advanced for kids. Right. Um, but, 
I mean, I think like in terms of the humor and the story, um, maybe more in Jedi Academy, maybe a little less in, in, in this book, but you know, I, I, I don't specifically write it just for, for kids and, Sure, but I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm assuming that you're a little mindful of the audience at some point. Yes, I mean, I, I think so. One of the questions that I got asked in in art school was, I got kind of taken to task because I said, you know, I don't, I don't really think about audience. I, I'm writing for myself, and, um, and they're like, well, you know, you're like you've got to think about audience and. And I, I realized like I I do think about audience, but I don't I'm not if I'm even if I'm writing for an audience, I don't write to the audience, if if that makes sense, this distinction. Like I'm not I think in the context of everything else you said in this interview, it does make sense. I yeah, so like I sense. you know, I, I don't Yeah, so I'm not I mean I'm I'm I I have kids in mind and like, and so there's certain leanings that maybe um, like in terms of like jokes about throwing up or whatever, but um, you know, but I I don't like, I don't set out to write just, just write something for kids. I like, you know, I'm, I'm just more focused on the thing itself and, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know if like, I need to think about that some more to like articulate it better maybe, but, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that that's, I think that sums it up pretty well. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call it here. So, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I really yeah. appreciate it. And yeah, thank sure. you as always for, uh, for all your support of the fund, which has been, uh, generous yeah. and appreciated over the years. Of course. Yeah. Thanks again to Jeffrey Brown, and I would encourage anyone listening who is unfamiliar with his work, although I can't imagine there are many of you left, uh, to check it out as, as, as soon as possible. Um, his career and his progression as an artist is, is deeply fascinating to me, and I think he's a, a terrific cartoonist. The Comic Book Legal Defense Fund is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we depend on donations like yours to continue the work that we do. You can donate by visiting cbldf.org and clicking the Donate banner. This podcast in particular and all of our education programs are made possible by a donation from the Gaiman Foundation and, again, from the financial support of listeners just like you. You can also support the podcast by going to iTunes and giving us a rating, which helps people find us. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please contact us you can uh, email us directly at info at cbldf.org our music is by the django reinhardt orchestra and this podcast has been produced and edited by me alex cox thank you for listening and we'll be back next month